Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. The world, and yes, even the church, needs to change. Everyone seems to live in a state of anger now. Everyone seems to be at offense. And we wonder why Christians don't seem to impact those around them. It's time to be the church that Jesus called us to be. It's time to be the change. In this episode, episode 12, we're going to begin a brand new series called Be the Change. Today, we're going to be the change by being the light. Hey, get your worship guide out And uh, today we're going to start a brand new series. We're calling it Be the Change. Look at two people right now and just tell them, Be the Change. Let's do it one more time. You sounded good. Let's say it again. Ready? Go. Be the Change. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, in a few moments. Now, I'm going to set this up because this is the intro sermon for the whole series. So you're going to have to just bear with me. I know you're going to look on the worship guide, message notes, and because I, I know you. I watch your face. And you're going to look over there to the right-hand side, and you're going to say, oh, he'll never get done with all those blanks. I promise you, you'll get done in time to go eat lunch. They won't put the buffet out before you're done. And you can, you can go get something to eat. It's going to be fine. But I want to set the stage, and then I'm going to give you those fill-in-the-blanks really quick, because I want to set the stage for where we're going over the next five or six weeks. I read a tweet this week, and I giggled when I first read it, and then it bothered me that I giggled. Have you all ever had something like that happen? Because it, it raised an alarm inside of me that, man, I shouldn't have giggled about that. And that was this. Um, The tweet said, if you want to be different, be kind. And I did that. I kind of chuckled. And I was like, be different, be kind. And then all of a sudden I thought, what a shame that I would find that a little humorous because how many know that that should go without being said? But why do we giggle? We giggle because we know there's a lot of truth to that in the world we live in now. It's because it's like if you want to be normal, be rude. If you want to be normal, be arrogant. If you want to be nude, make everybody else conform to your ideologies, right? But the truth is, if we want to be different than everybody else, if we want to show a little difference, all we got to do right now is be a little kind. Anybody be on social media lately? Come on. I love these guys. They're like, no, I ain't on social media, right? (laughs) The rest of you? Yeah. Ever read the news or or watched the news, right? Or got in a conversation at work or at school? I mean, we, listen, we live in the most advanced society of human history when it comes to research and science and technology. I mean, the stuff we watched on Star Trek when we were kids is real deal now. I mean, come on, you walk in the room and tell the lights to turn on. They'll turn on for you. This is crazy. I'm waiting for that machine like Captain Picard had where you can just walk up to it and say, 
give me my coffee, and it just does it right there, right? And that day's coming. I mean, we've got technology like we've only ever dreamed of, and yet we still live in a society, in a world that is so miserable. We still live in a world where people are apathetic and life doesn't have any meaning. In our effort to find reasoning, to find reason, we've lost purpose. We live in the most advanced society in the world and and we've politicized everything. Everything has a political agenda now. Everything has some, somebody's ideology and we're trying to conform. We politicize everything in the government. We politicize things in school. We politicize things in the home. We politicize things in society. We politicize even in things in the church. And we try to, why? Because we believe if we can bring everybody in uniformity, then everybody will get along. Guess what? Uniformity and unity are two total separate things. Uniformity comes from pressure on the outside when the pressure is trying to get you to conform to someone's ideas or behaviors where unity comes from the heart. It comes from the inside. And I need to tell you the awesome thing about Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ doesn't try to conform you. Jesus Christ wants to get inside of you and transform you. Religion conforms you from the outside, conforms your behavior. Government conforms you with laws, right? Conforms your behavior. But only Jesus can change you from the inside out. And the whole gospel is that God so loved the world he gave his only son. Now, isn't it interesting that when Jesus came to this earth, just read history, right? Just go back to history. You find the solution to the world's ills by just going back and seeing Jesus, Jesus came at a day when the governmental systems was terrible and there was persecution and there was distress and there was poverty and there was so much pain. And the religious system was a mess too. And you know, when you study the life of Jesus, what's so amazing to me is Jesus didn't try to change the political system. And Jesus, though he was son of God, didn't come in and fire all the priests and fire all the rabbis and throw the Pharisees out on the street and try to change the religious system. No, 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 no. Isn't it interesting? Because if I was God, if I was God and I was walking in human flesh, I believe what I would have done. I believe I would have said, Herod, you're out of a job. Right? I mean, you tried to kill me when I was two years old, dude. You're done. I believe I would have went to Rome and told the emperor, you think you're a god? Let me show you who he is, right? And and go to the religious system and say, y'all have so messed this thing up. Let me just put you out of work and I'll fix this by next Sabbath, right? But Jesus didn't do that. That's what I would have done. Can, I, can, we get, can we be real today? If you were in Jesus' shoes and you had all the power to fix all the world's problems, how many know you would have been tempted to do, to do it that way also? Amen? Just look at your neighbor and tell him, I know you better than that. Come on. You'd try to be Mr. Fix-It, Mrs. Fix-It, Mrs. In Charge, Mr. In Charge, right? And we would have, catch us, catch us, catch us. We would have been wrong. We would have been wrong because uniformity and unity aren't the same. And Jesus knew knew what we all have to learn. Is that you don't change by conforming with pressure on the outside. People change from being changed from the inside. 
And Jesus came in to change our hearts. And when he starts changing our hearts, that affects the political system. And that'll affect your job. And that'll affect your school. And that'll affect your family. And that'll affect the church. And that affects every area of the life. How many know that Jesus Christ can transform your life from the inside out, make you brand new? And when your values and your heart starts reflecting his, everything changes. Everything changes when your heart and your values and your belief system comes in line with God's and not you trying to make God fit yours. Amen? How many can say Jesus has made some change in you? Amen? Amen. How many believe he's still got a little work to do? Look at your neighbor and tell him, every time I see you, I know God's not out of business yet. Right? I mean, so so he's still working. (laughs) He's still working, right? The change has to happen in us. The change has to happen in us. We have to be the change. So for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the book of Ephesians. If you have been in this church for a while, you know that I started the year. Our theme is pursuing the presence of God. And I took the first four months and preached through the first three chapters of, of Ephesians. And then at Easter, we start talking about the hope that the resurrection gives. And how many know that without the resurrection, we have no hope. Nothing matters if Jesus didn't come out of that grave. But if Jesus came out of that grave, how many know everything matters? And because Jesus came out of that grave, everything matters, and we believe that, and we have that hope, and because of that, now we're going to take the, uh, the next couple of months and go through the next three chapters, and it begins with this series called Be the Change. Why? Because our world needs to see somebody different than what they see everywhere else. In our efforts to bring uniformity, we've politicized everything. And what we've done is we've created a society that is full of anger and full of protest. Everybody's angry. Everybody's protesting. Everybody's slandering the next guy, right? Right now, I believe our world is primed for somebody to be different. And I believe if we follow Jesus... That somebody is us. You can stand for truth. You can stand for what is right. You can stand for the Lord and do it differently than how everybody else is responding and reacting. You don't have to look like everyone else, sound like everyone else, do like everyone else on social media or at work or in the family or even in the church and religious world. I need you to know Jesus has called his children to be the light And where does light shine? In the darkness. How many lost power over the last couple of days with the storms? Anybody? How many lit a candle or turned on a lamp or a a battery-powered light somewhere, right? Right? That's what y'all did, all right? Uh, we We had candles. We had candles all over the house. I mean, I didn't know my wife had bought so many candles. So we had candles all over the house, right? And so Isn't it amazing how much light one candle can put out when it's all dark? Now, how many know after you turn the rest of the lights back on, when the power came back on, that little candle didn't shine so bright, right? But when all the lights are out, wait a minute, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is why it's so important for you and I who are going to follow Jesus to be be the change right now. And you say, but look at how angry everyone is, and look at all the protests, and look at everybody's up against up in arms against everybody else, and all this is going on. 
as the world grows darker, and everybody's putting pressure on, you got to conform to my ideologies. If not, you're, you're bad. And, and, and all. Watch this. The darker the world gets, the brighter the light will shine if you're different. Now, wait a minute. I need to also tell you that Jesus, who says in John 5, 16, which is our theme verse last year, that we're to be the city on a hill. We're to be the ones shining the light. Christians who follow Jesus, we're to be different. We're to shine the light. I need to tell you something. If you shine the light in the darkness, the darker it is, the more the darkness is repelled by the light. Now, see, most of the time we'll go, woo, amen, amen. Now, wait a minute. Think about the flip side of that. John the apostle said this. Men love darkness rather than light. So I need to tell you, if you're going to truly be the change and shine your light for Jesus, you need to be prepared that as you shine the light, there's going to be even more pressure for you to conform. And as you, and listen, and I just need to tell everybody, listen to me, listen carefully. Compromised Christianity has no power and it forfeits their testimony. You can stand and shine your light and do it the right way and still shine with the light. You don't have to conform and you don't have to compromise the gospel to stand and you can stand the right way. And over the next six weeks, that's what we're going to talk about is we're going to go back and look at how in the Bible, these early Christians who were living in a time of incredible persecution Paul is going to write these words to us from a jail cell as he is suffering for the cause of Christ. He was arrested and beaten multiple times. Eventually, he was beheaded because of the gospel, because he wouldn't compromise and he wouldn't go with the world, but he stood the right way and they didn't know what to do with him. And so here he is writing to us on how to shine in the middle of the darkness. You got your Bibles there? You got open to Ephesians 4, shout I'm there. And so here for what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to look at this uh, for a few moments. Look, first of all, and you can write this down. First of all, I want you to look at what he says in verse 1. Take your pen. Here we go. Paul writes, therefore I, the prisoner, say that word, circle it, the prisoner of who? Of the Lord, the prisoner in the Lord, Lotus says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received. So here's the three words I want you to circle. First of all, circle the word prisoner. How did Paul refer to himself? He says, I want you to know I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Now you stop for a moment and you say, that's right. He's a prisoner. He's been arrested. What was his crime? Anybody know? What crime did Paul commit that put him in a Roman government jail. He was a Christian. That meant his belief system became contrary to the belief system of the society or the governing officials. And that is true for many Christians around the world. And we get upset if somebody doesn't agree with us and wants us to conform and we get all offended. I need you to know that Christians have always had to stand for truth and have always been persecuted for it. And we just haven't ever seen it at the level that Paul did and that many Christians do around the world even today. And I just need you to know that, you, that not everyone is going to love the fact that you stand for truth, but I want to challenge you to stand the right way. 
Because we've got a lot of folks who stand up for truth and do it the wrong way and just give the devil more ammunition. You can stand for what's right and stand for truth. And here's what Paul said. Paul says, I'm a prisoner, not just in physical chains. Watch this, watch this. Paul, one of Paul's great terms he used for himself and for Christians was bond slave, which means I'm a prisoner of the Lord by my own choice. And what Paul was saying was he was so confident and assured and secure in his salvation and his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that Paul wasn't ashamed to be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I just wonder in our church, uh, how many of you are unashamed to be identified as a follower of Jesus? How many of you are so amazed that Jesus would come and die and be buried and come up out of that grave for you? that he would redeem you, that you could say here today, are you watching online, how many of you can say, I am not ashamed to be identified with Jesus? And not everyone's going to agree with you. And some are going to try to tell you to compromise in order to be like Jesus. Paul says, I am bound up, not just with physical chains, I'm bound up to the Lord. And notice what Paul then says, and he says, and I urge you, live a life that is worthy of your calling. It's important that you understand those two words, worthy and calling. And watch this. The word calling, we're going back, we're going to go to the end and back up. The word calling there in the Greek, klesis, means by divine summons. How many of you have ever been summoned to uh, go to jury duty, let's say? And how many know if you got that, you knew that the legal official said you had to show up? How many of you knew it wasn't optional for you at that moment to show up? It's like, I got summons to jury duty. I got to go. Like, I don't want to go, but I got to go, right? And you go and you're praying the whole time. I hope, I hope they let me go, right? And you're like, I, I tell them I'm a Christian and so I can't do this, right? And so I've, I've heard people actually use that excuse and got out of jury duty. Some of you have done it. I got witnesses. No, oh, no, no. Oh, no, you weren't waving your hand for that, right? <laughs> Just teasing, Karen. Oh, you wouldn't let them off because of it. That's right, because you were the one that sent the summons. <laughs> she worked at the courthouse. <laughs> so if you didn't like being summoned, see her on the third row in the red shirt. All right, so. <laughs> I love this. Watch this. Why are you a follower of Jesus? Is it because you just garnered so much understanding of the creation and, and how everything come about and one day you just realize, oh, there must be a God and oh, he must love me and oh, Jesus is a real deal and, and you made the decision all on your own? Jesus says no one comes to the Father unless the Father first draws him. I want to tell you what happened. Jesus stood at the door of your heart, and he began to knock. And the Holy Spirit of God came and began to open your understanding and give you the faith. And as the Holy Spirit was knocking and the Holy Spirit was drawing you, at that moment you responded and you said, come in, Lord Jesus. And at the moment you opened the door, Jesus said, I and the Father will come in, and we will sup with you. And that moment the Holy Spirit and your faith collided. 
and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. How many can thank God today that Jesus drew you unto himself and are thankful you responded and said yes to grace? Amen. Now watch this. So Paul says, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner to the Lord. Why? Because I've received a divine summons. He called me. How many of you are overwhelmed that God would love you and call you to his, to his family? Don't ever get over that. And then watch what he says. If you really understand what that means, that means you are called into the family of God. Look at the word I skipped in the middle. Remember what it was? How'd you circle it? Say it. Worthy. And the word worthy in the Greek is axios. And it means equal weight. And as we start this series of Be the Change, here's what I want to lay on your heart. Here's what Paul is imploring us as Christians to do, those of us who follow Christ, for us to live our lives worthy, for us to live our lives at an equal weight, for us to live our lives with the same commitment, same dedication that is involved in the holy calling that we had, the holy summons to come into the family of God. And so to do that, you've got to put your commitment to him, to the same level of commitment he has for you. And God is saying, I, I want you to come live for me at the same equal weight as what Jesus used when he came to this earth for us. Amen? Be the change. When I, the, the inspiration I got for this series, I was uh, working around my house and I was playing the audio Bible. How many know you can read the Bible by listening to it also? Okay, it's a cool tool, right? It, it's on the internet and it's really neat. And so I was playing the audio Bible, right? And I was listening to Joshua because I love the book of Joshua and I was thinking about it. He's, he's crossing Red sea, or, or the Jordan. They're getting ready to go to Jericho, Joshua chapter five. They're about to go into Jericho. They're gonna conquer the city. And I'm excited, you know, because I'm thinking about our new building and that's kind of a Canaan for us. And, we're going to go into that new building. I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. And we're going to go in that building. We're going to reach thousands of people for Jesus. You know, I'm like, whoa, God, you're awesome. And all of a sudden, I heard this portion of the scripture where just before they went to Jericho, Joshua turned around and saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword. And Joshua, who's a man of war too, right? He's a commander of the Lord's army. And he grabs the sword and he's like, who are you? Are you with us, watch this, or are you for our enemies? The answer that came back is what startled me and led me to this series. The man drawn with the drawn sword, the warrior looked back at Joshua and said, neither. This is Joshua leading the children of Israel, and they're about to go into Canaan and take over Jericho. And he says, are you for us or for our enemies? The answer is, neither. And then the man with the drawn sword says, I'm the host of the Lord's armies. 
I don't know if you understand what that means, but if you're reading it in the Hebrew, what that literally means is in the Aramaic, which is the Old Testament written in, when you see those phrase, I'm the host of the Lord's army, it's talking about like the pre, most scholars believe that's a pre-incarnate Jesus showed up there at the Jordan before they went to Jericho. And it was Jesus who was standing there and in front of Joshua. And here's what Joshua learned. And here's what I pray our church can grasp an understanding of is in that moment, what Joshua learned is that God doesn't pick sides. And God doesn't pick your side. The Lord showed up to Joshua before they went and conquered Jericho and took over the land of Canaan to make sure Joshua didn't forget. God doesn't pick your side. God expects you to pick his. And as we go out and be the change for Jesus, here's what I want to challenge our congregation, is let's go to Jesus and make sure in all our responses and all our ideas and all our philosophies and all of our work that we do in this world trying to shine for Jesus, let's make sure we're not trying to point Jesus to fit us we're going to Jesus and standing with him and shining his light. Because he's not going to pick our side. We got to make sure we're on his side. Are y'all with me today? Is this good? It's going to be good next six weeks. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him we're going, going, to, going to be deep. But it's going to be good. So how did these early Christians who were challenged, watch this, watch this, watch this. They were challenged to conform. You know what? Paul did not have to be beheaded. Peter didn't have to be crucified upside down. Andrew and Thomas didn't have to die. James didn't have to die. All these early disciples didn't have to die. You know, all, you know what they could have done? Here's what the Romans would have let them done to live. All they had to do was denounce Jesus as the Lord or throw salt over their shoulder and also say that Caesar is Lord. But to do that, they had to compromise Jesus as Lord. And they chose to die rather than compromise because they were a prisoner of the Lord living under the weight of their calling. Amen? Now, I know that's all deep, and I know some of you are like, ooh, man, okay, we got 12 minutes before our service is supposed to be over. And you think there's no way I can give you all those fill-in-the-blanks in that short time period, Right? You don't know what I can do in 12 minutes if I got my mindset to it. So here we go. With that as our foundation, uh, let me set the stage for the next six weeks. Here's what I need you to know. I need you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, then you just listen to me talk to all these other Christians. But if you want to follow Christ, we invite you to do that today. And I want you to know what that means is if we're going to be the change, we have to know who we are. Who are we who follow the Lord Jesus? We are, write this down, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are called to be ambassadors of Jesus. That is, we represent him, he doesn't represent us. And we live on this life as pilgrims. The Bible says we're like pilgrims walking through. And so as we live in this life, we are to represent 
our King, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he takes preeminence. I need you to know the job of an ambassador. There are three traits I want you to write down as an ambassador. Here's what we know about an ambassador. Ambassadors are recognized by their recognition. Their identity is the homeland that they represent. An ambassador does no good if they don't look like, talk like, act like the country they came from because they are here to represent where they come from. And as Christians, if we're ambassadors for Jesus, we got to look like, act like, talk like. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, growing beards and wearing, you know, but in our attitude, in our actions, and in our philosophies, we got to live and act and believe like Jesus. And the only way you're going to know how to do that is to become a good student of this word. Get in a connection group. Get in a Bible study. Read the Bible through. Study the life of Jesus. Read those gospels and study his life and his teachings. And line yourself up with him instead of trying to make him line himself up with you. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for God. Now watch this. Since God is making his appeal through us, God has a job and he's trying, or a desire, and it's to appeal to people to come be reconciled to God, to himself. Who's he doing that work through? Through us. So we've got to, re- we've got to be identified with him, not be ashamed to be a Christian. Recognition, number two, is Relationship. How many know an ambassador wouldn't be very good if they didn't have a relationship with the home country? In fact, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. While they're here representing the country they come from, they have to stay in contact with the other country to know how to respond appropriately. So they've got to stay in relationship. They've got to stay in connection so that they know how to represent their country properly. Number three is responsibility. That's a great responsibility of how they conduct themselves. Paul says, we who follow Christ, we're Christians, so we have to identify ourselves with Jesus. We've gotta stay in relationship with Jesus so that we know how to conduct ourselves responsibly. Are y'all with me today? Look at two people right now and tell them, this is really good. This is what scripture teaches. This is what an ambassador is, right? This is good for us. And watch this, watch this. Here at Connection Point, we actually use our logo to try to help remind us about what it means to be a pilgrim here. And if you've not been through our growth track classes, I want to invite you to go through our growth track classes because here's what we teach. We teach how this church is trying to help people connect with God because we want you to take on the identity of Jesus. And so our goal is to help connect you to God and one another in ministry. That's our mission. We want to help connect you so you can take on the identity. Secondly, we want to help you grow. Put my logo back up there for a minute, guys. I want, we want to help you grow so that you become more like Jesus. This is why we want you to go through a growth track class, get in a small group. We want to help you uh, learn the scriptures. This is why I give you an outline every week, why we give you a Bible reading plan, why we have all these resources for you, to help you grow in fellowship and relationship with Jesus. Third, we want you to go. We want you to go in the name of Jesus and be his hands and be his feet. We want you to do outreach ministries with us. Go on mission trips. We want you to live your life on mission, sharing the gospel, giving out your testimony. We want this for you every day. And can I just stop for a moment and brag on Jesus for a moment? This weekend when there was this bad storm that came through, 
And Jackson had like a complete blackout for just a few moments and many, many pockets throughout our region are still without power. Thank God my lights came on last night after the night of worship. That was so good to go home to, right? And, uh, And some of you are still struggling through that. Listen to me. I was so excited yesterday when I started hearing reports of multiple connection groups Small groups, we call them connection groups. Multiple connection groups in our church took it on themselves to organize opportunities to feed volunteers and feed utility workers and cut down trees and clean people's yards. And I heard of multiple groups in our church. And here's why I was so blessed. We didn't as a staff organize any of them. These folks did it all on their own. That's how the church works. When everyone takes on the responsibility and goes in the name of Jesus. I was like, wow. Something's working. And you don't know as a lead pastor how happy it is when you think something is working that you're trying to do around here. Right? We're like, all the staff's like, thank you, Jesus. Something worked. That's how it works. We all go out as ambassadors for Jesus. And when we do that, we have to remind ourselves to do this. Write this down. Number two, check our attitude. If you look at verse two, your three fill in the blanks are right here in the verse, took them straight out of the verse. Look at this. If you're going to be the light, please hear me. Check your attitude. Notice what Paul says, verse two, let's read it out loud together. And with all, what's that next word? Humility and gentleness and patience, we bear with one another in love. If you want to know what it means to be the change right now in our world, be humble. And then write down, be gentle. I love the word humble. Humble means to be lowly in spirit, right? Not to be puffed up. I love gentle. Gentle means to have your emotions under control. And then I love the word patience. Patience means long-suffering in the face of adversity. How, How many know our world will shine a little brighter if they see us representing Jesus with a humble spirit, not an arrogant one, and a gentleness. Our emotions are under control. And patience. Shine in the light no matter the pressure to conform. Amen? And then notice this. Third on your outline is not only how to check our attitude, but to focus on what unifies us. Everybody's getting off on all and politicizing all these uh, different agendas. Can I tell you what, a, what the Bible says early Christians were always unified on? Seven things. And they're found right here in the verses. We're going to read the verses, and you'll see you're filling the blanks, right? Here we go. Making every effort, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Look at verse 4. Let's read out loud. Ready to go. There is one. What's the word? There's your first one. There is one body, there is, and that's the church of Jesus Christ, all who are redeemed by grace, right? And there's one, next word, it's your next fill in the blank, right? It's one spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Everybody shout Holy Spirit. You are called with one, next word, hope. 
And what is that hope? That's your calling. The hope of salvation is given to us through Jesus Christ by the drawing of his Holy Spirit. There is one way to God, and that is Jesus Christ, right? Because the next one is there's one Lord. Somebody shout his name. Jesus. Jesus. And there's one faith. Jesus says no one comes to the Father unless they first come through me. And I'm not talking about denominationalism. I love our church. We, we affiliate with a group so we can send missionaries and plant churches and we can do more together and we can do alone. I love that. You can learn about that in our growth track classes. But I want to tell you what, God, God isn't a denominational God. That, that man put up denominations, right? And we have people in this church from every denominational background and no denominational backgrounds coming here. And I think it's beautiful and it's perfect because there's one faith. There's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what unifies us, right? And notice this, there's one baptism. There's one baptism, and I love baptisms. And if you ain't been baptized, you need to July 7th. Because when you come up out of that water, baptism for a Christian is our identification to the world. I am a follower of Jesus. And there's one God and Father of all, above all. And if you're thankful for our God who gave you the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, I dare you to get on your feet and give him 10 seconds of the loudest shout, the loudest praise that you can give him. Come on. Give him the loudest praise. Give him your loudest praise. Amen. See, you didn't think I could do that in 12 minutes. Here's your, fill, here's your big takeaway. And you stay standing with me. Today, and you know what I just realized? I didn't give the big takeaway in either of the other two services. Y'all caught that? See, now y'all doubly blessed. Y'all got more than anybody else. Somebody get online and tell the other two services. Here's the answer. Today is the day to be the change. You remember I, I told you a little bit about Joshua and how Joshua had an encounter with the Lord and the Lord said, I'm not on anybody's side. And Joshua had to learn to get on God's side. That same Joshua at the end of his life said, you choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve. And I believe he was thinking back about that encounter at the river. And Joshua said, I'll tell you who I'll serve. As for me and my house, I can't talk for you, but me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.